Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur from the most hated state in the union. You know what it is, NJ. It's Benny Horowitz coming to you from New Jersey. What's up, dude? What is it? So I, I wrote someone on Twitter who had posted about it, and I'm like, what is it? Do people just hate pizza and honesty? <laughs> and Springsteen? Is, I mean, come on. Is that what we're known for the most? <laughs> now, let's talk. Let's yeah. discuss a little bit. That's right? So I have actually been, you know, I don't know how many people can speak from experience. I've been to 49 of the 50 states in America. Yeah. Most of which a number of times, at least traveled through her state. Mm. Now, just even geographically, the fact that you can live anywhere in New Jersey, anywhere, mm. any point in New Jersey, and you can be two hours, less than two hours from one of the greatest cities in the world and the yeah. biggest city in America, you can be less than two hours to the beach mm -hmm. and literally half of the fucking state is the coast. You know what I mean? Like we're a coastal state. Like it's cool. Yeah. And then two hours, you're in the mountains. Yeah. You're in the forest. You're doing crazy stuff like that. You have Atlantic City. You know, you have all these iconic uh, things from, from sports to politics mm -hmm. to contemporary culture to american history the literally like foundational things Shut i mean i live I'm not gonna tell you where i live <laughs> but many important things during the revolutionary war yeah, and man. things like that we had uh, you know beautiful native american history that still exists here half the towns in new jersey you can't pronounce because they're lene lenape or delaware or yeah. something like that i mean even the 120 seconds of information that just came out of my mouth. How can you tell me well, on a real level, show your work, how can you tell me we are worse than South Dakota? How can you tell me we are worse? Should we provide some context here? Should we provide some context for the people? Why our dandruff is all up and about today? Oh, why, why I'm defensive right off the bat here? Exactly, exactly. Okay, yeah, so that's true. That's according true. to Best Life magazine, which I call fake news, what, Best what Life. What is that anyway? Yeah, so, but according to Best Life magazine, only one, uh, they rank New Jersey uh, the most hated state in the union. Why am I saying union like it's the 1800s? <laughs> most hated state in the country. 28% uh, of the New Jersey's population says it has state pride. And that entire 28% must be huge Springsteen and Gaslight fans. And listen to this podcast. Um, it's, all, it's up there with other loathed states like New York, Pennsylvania, Connecticut. Uh, on Apparently, there's a hatred index that these guys put. You know, these people have way too much time on their hands. New Jersey has a hatred index of 818. Okay. I mean, here's what I don't even understand is like, I, even in the context of what I just said, right? Yeah. Playing shows and doing things like that. Like, if you don't live in Connecticut, there's not a whole lot of reasons to ever go to Connecticut. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I live so close to Connecticut, and I've driven through 15 times more times <laughs> than I have to visit Connecticut. How do people from, like, the other side of the country, Midwest, South, yeah. how do they even know what the fuck Connecticut is? That's where I'm starting to imagine this poll we're hearing is obviously super weighted against the tri-state area in general well do you want to I hear mean, the rest of the top 10 
Yeah, what's in the top 10? All right, so rounding out the top 10 outside of the couple I just gave you, we have Texas, California, Oklahoma, Florida, Michigan, Indiana, Alabama, and Kansas. So for, for the most part, Americans hate fun. That's what I'm gathering from this. Yeah, and half of it's probably based on like college football, like dumb <laughs> shit like that. I mean, let's be real. You could poll most of America. I, I don't know what the numbers are, but there's got to be a great portion of people in this country who have never left their own state, yeah. right? Yeah, I think so. I think these are usually the people who think uh, <laughs> that, you know, who New read bestlife.com Valhalla of decadence <laughs> where you can't walk the street without getting your asshole licked or something, you know? I noticed today, I'm in a hardware store yeah, and I've been noticing some side eyes and and, you know, on a normal day, I'm in like a black hoodie and black jeans. Yeah. Got nothing to do with anything. It's mm. just how I rock it. But now I think like because of the way uh, conservative media is, you know, like just has made things so insane. I think people think I'm just about to like start fires, <laughs> like in the middle of lows. Like, oh, Jesus. You know, it's one of those. Benny, one of those, I. I don't think it's the black. I think it's the beanie. <laughs> orange? This is what hunters wear. Come on. I'm on trend in the country. Oh, my goodness. Well, do you want to hear the least hated states in the country then? Sure. And I'm going to take a guess. Yeah. I'm going to guess that they're the least considered, not Pro- liked or hated. Probably. All right. Go here ahead. we go. We have Utah, Washington State, Nevada, Arizona, Colorado, Oregon, South Dakota, Montana, and Wyoming. Yeah. With Idaho winning as the least hated state. Yeah. The the places nobody's been. (laughs) Seriously. Do you know how hard it is to go to Idaho? It seems it's beautiful, but nowhere um, near anything. And unless you have a very specific reason to go to a national park (laughs) or Boise, it's super easy to miss. If you're going to the northern part, you fly into what? Spokane, right? It's right there. Uh, somewhere up there in uh, Canada. Basically. That's crazy. It's all, that's Canada up there. <laughs> Idaho's a nice, nice place. Thanks for the potatoes. Uh, but New Jersey, come on. You know, I honestly... Take I, a visit. We'll show you around. There's a lot of jealousy going on in this one. So, all right. So let me ask you this question. Yeah. Say you're from Oklahoma. You never left. You do this. Give me the top, like, three things, word association, that you think of when you think of New Jersey. Oh, gosh. I thought you were going to say of Oklahoma. I was like, Garth Brooks, Sooners, Kyler Mary. Uh, I had that all ready to go. Uh, probably, you know, Springsteen, Sopranos, Pizza, right? Springsteen, Sopranos, yeah. Pizza. Yeah, that's fair. See, I wonder, though, there, they're like, Chris Christie. I don't know. <laughs> they're like, hey, good guy. Beach yeah, House? Good guy. Good guy. <laughs> he tells it like it is. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, we're going to get a lot of hate mail for this this week. All right, we should get back to what we're used to, not tri-statal politics. we got to just own it, bro. <laughs> the Electoral College is not on our side in our 14 delegates. Whatever. Let's get into this day in music history. Well, firstly, I'm not going to get into this one, but on this day in 1964, the single Come See About Me was released by the Supremes. Ooh. I just want to note that. It's one of the greatest songs in history. Yeah. And everybody listen and dance right now just for fun. <laughs> Kick off your day like that. But on this day in 1981, one of my favorite songs in the history of songs, Under Pressure mm. by Queen featuring David Bowie, was released in the U.S. This is an important song to me for many reasons. Yeah. But 
it's one of the, you know, rare elite company of songs that will never turn off on my player when it's on. And it always gives me goosebumps. There's something about it. It's a powerful song with a powerful image. Hearing how they made it kind of chops that narrative up a little bit. But as it always does when you look inside of the, the jack of potato, you know? Yeah. Um, so, of course, it was fraught with tension because you're dealing with David Bowie and Queen. But this is the basic inception. July 81 in Switzerland, of course. <laughs> Queen is there making the album Hot Space. Bowie's starting to work on Cat People. And Roger Taylor, drummer and songwriter, was a big fan. Uh, Bowie came over, they hung out, and he did a backup on the song Cool Cat. And apparently the release of the entire album was held up because David Bowie didn't like his part on the song Cool Cat, and it was cut because of his objection. So this goes to show you even how they started working together. <laughs> but then the next time they saw each other and got together, they started playing music, they started jamming other people's songs. Bowie said, this is stupid, let's write one. Uh, Roger Taylor had had a song already called Feel Like, which it's not necessary. But, but if you listen back to the catalog of Queen, you can see where Under Pressure came from. Like mm. the, the same bones are there, but what's not there is the bass line. Now, that's what I want to get into, because yeah. the story of this is pretty normal. Tension, producers, yappiness in the studio. But this is the funny part of the story. Because it's arguably the best bass line in rock and roll history, right? Yeah. Music history, yeah. You know, it's way up there. Even Vanilla Ice stealing it and lying to himself in court. You ever seen that bit? Oh, I was like, no, no, no. Mine went do, 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 do. Theirs goes do, 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 saying the same exact thing. I've got a story about that as soon as you're done. Okay, great. Now, the funny part about this is nobody remembers who actually wrote it. Hmm. Now, John Deacon, as cool of a guy as he is, kind of remembered. He's like, oh, I don't care. David Bowie wrote it. But what actually happened is they laid the framework for the song. Deacon had been fiddling with it all day long. People had heard the version. And then they all went out for wine and pizza. Oh, I'm New assuming they got, they got super <laughs> sauced based on the tales. A few stories exist. And they got back to the studio. And... Deacon was asked to play the bass line and didn't quite remember it. Started playing the wrong version. Bowie came over, corrected that version, and that's how it went. This is Brian May's story. But John Deacon says that David Bowie wrote it. Roger Taylor and David Bowie say that John Deacon wrote it. And Brian May apparently is the only one who can tell the real story. Uh, so I think it's pretty hilarious how it happened. Um, but so drunk on wine and I guess Swiss pizza. I don't know what they're doing eating pizza in Switzerland. In it's like fondue on bread. 80s. Yeah, I don't know what that <laughs> tasted like. I've eaten some funky pizza over there. But the song came out. Uh, a, a former roadie named, named Peter, nah, I don't know. I didn't get it. Yeah. And he said, in some ways, I think David Bowie took over a little bit, which is what caused a few tensions. But that's how you get great music. Wow. And I agree with that. There was a little butting heads and who's going to sing this chorus, who's going to sing this. I think Bowie took over the lyrical approach to the song so much that Freddie Mercury is kind of <laughs> left to like his scatting and overdubbing in the song. But it made for like such a unique song. 
And part of the power of it to me is the first time I saw the video too. And apparently everybody was on tour and that's why the video is just this sort of political montage and it creates an extra pressure to the song. I would recommend everyone YouTube it. Oh. <laughs> What's this Vanilla Ice story? Yeah, so did you know that Billions creator Brian Koppelman, you know how how his dad is like a noted like big wig music executive, yeah, yeah, yeah. originally passed on Ice Ice Baby because he's like, no one's ever going to believe this. It's under pressure. And then his assistant was like, no, you got to keep it. People are going to like it. Uh, he was like, all right, I trust the judgment. And next thing you know, he looks like the smartest man in America. Unbelievable. Man. And I was I was part of the some ice ice club where the girls <laughs> in my school made a top 10 list of the boys they wanted. And it was called like the vanilla ice club. If you made it, <laughs> this is how popular of a, of a pop artist he was. Uh, look at you. I also had hammer pants at the same time. Look at you channeling your inner offset before ice offset was sliding in the girls DMs. Man, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say <laughs> I don't know a lot of lyrics to songs but I could definitely spit the first verse to Ice Ice Baby oh, as I, I imagine it. a lot of white kids from the suburbs. I love it. Did. Well speaking of white kids from the suburbs on this day in 2006 God I love when they work out like that Amy Winehouse released her second and final studio album Back to Black I know your bandmate Jared Hart loves this album. Um, the album spawned five singles Rehab, You Know I'm No Good, Back to Black, Tears Dry on Their Own, great one. Love is a Losing Game, won Best Pop Vocal at the 50th Grammy Awards. Uh, Back, to, Back to Black sold 3.5 million copies in the UK alone and 20 million worldwide. Great album, love that one. You know when you're in middle school and you're just starting to listen to radio? I, I got very lucky that... Songs like that, The Killers were on Top 40 Radio when I was in middle school, so absolutely love that song. Amy Winehouse, Gone Too Soon. Yeah, and, and a thing about that record I should be noted is, is, you know, the aesthetic of Amy Winehouse, the sound of Amy Winehouse really lended itself to the production on that record. And the fact that they managed to make parts of that record sound kind of like you know, legitimate doo-wop or soul. Mm. Some of the musical elements sound really old and raw. It definitely made for a really complete package. Yeah. And I think a lot of um, smart people are behind it, but she deserved credit for really understanding the aesthetic of her own music and how she needed to look and how it needed to sound. She's a very visionary artist. I wish she was uh, still around. Let me ask you this question, because, you know, you guys created an album that kind of harks upon another era. Is there something that you need to do to kind of set that aesthetic, or does it just kind of happen? No, nah, it definitely doesn't just kind of happen. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you know, if, if you're taking from your pool of influences and doing something small, you know, if you're just like, oh, let's throw a part like that in the song and pay it tribute. But if you're really like trying to like do it, do it. If you're naming a record the 59 sound and you're taking an old blue note cover and doing your version of it and, you know, putting all these concepts into the record. Yeah, you better take the music that you're taking off of super seriously yeah. um, to the point that you should explore even exactly how it was recorded, with what it was recorded, how to recreate the sounds that are part of it, because the last thing you want to do in paying tribute is 
disrespectfully make right. it bad. You know what I mean? Or just like play it out in a corny manner. It's got to be taken for real. So now I think it, I think it's very intentional. And I think that's why I even noted what I said that I think the efforts behind Back in Black were super intentional. All right, Benny. For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the newest band across our radar, and that's Guardrail from Chicago. Their new EP, Yikes, is out now on Open Your Ears Records. They've got catchy melodies and witty hooks. Guardrail brings their own style of diet punk right to your stereo. They're not quite bad religion, but they're also not some 41. Here's a clip of their new single, Till We're Dead. And I've been playing that one on my fall playlist, whether you're going to a cidery, pumpkin picking, it is the perfect song for that long drive. If you like what you hear, you can go on over to oyerex.com. That's O-Y-E-R-E-C-S.com to pick up your copy. Guardrail, get the vinyl. Support hard copy music. Let's get this. Guardrail, yikes, out today on Open Your Ears Records. Go grab it. Benny, first topic today, and there's a number of ways we can go with this, but I just want to kind of open it up by, uh, you know, we've talked about Kanye West a lot on this podcast. You know, he is a figure who some think that he is a three-dimensional thinker. Others think he's full of uh, hot air, if you will. But he was on the Joe Rogan podcast this week. And uh, oh, and by the way, totally forgot to add, he's running for president right now. Um, well, good, yeah, well, yeah, right. But he cool. a- he added that uh, you know to kind of get his feet wet into politics. If if the presidency doesn't work out, which it's not looking like it's going to this time around, he's open for the governorship of California. Uh, cites guys like Ronald Reagan as kind of that pathway. Though the interesting part about him on the Joe Rogan podcast is he said that he. Uh, he he feels like God is calling him not to be yeah. the president of America, but to be the leader of the free, the world, free world, whatever yeah, that means. I saw that, sure. Yeah, this is troubling. Yeah, for a number of reasons. So, a, I find it troubling just because of like the person himself is. <laughs> you know, you're kind of watching like maybe in, in a way almost how someone like Donald Trump becomes yeah. what what he is over time. You know, it's like these uh, these people who do just put themselves in a situation where the idea of their own self-importance is the, the you know, revolving factor of everything. And this person is so, such a genius or such a visionary that they deserve to be the leader of the free world. <laughs> I mean, it's delusion. Yeah. It's real delusion, truly. So, I mean, that being said, that's disturbing just in the way that you can watch this happen to somebody. And then it's doubly disturbing in the way that like, who the fuck knows what he could shake up and how he could, you know, even mm-hmm. if he, you know, put so much money behind something and you actually hire the best campaign managers around and people yeah. like that and people who can spin your yarns in a certain way. I'm not saying he's going to win, but to say he could split the Democratic ticket in California and fuck something up or, you know what I mean? Like, could definitely happen. I'd almost rather see him win than, than something like that happen because then at least I can watch the show. Because oh. um, in one way, you know, sure, like, 
everybody will be like praying in school. Every school in California will will have like a a white horse just just parked outside care of like the Kanye West like unicorn horse fund or whatever the dumb shit he's going to do if he, I mean dude like like you said it's California yeah. it's already been Ronald Reagan who was the president for the first 8 years of my life but you know you fail to remember somebody 20 years older than me knew him as a fucking hokey kind of country you know, Western star, Rockney, all American, yeah, governor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, literally, at Arnold Schwarzenegger, an Austrian-born yeah. uh, action star, is the governor of that <laughs> state. So I don't know, man. Like, um, the last thing I'd want to see is some some succubus like Republican, like get in there and take over California and do horrible shit to it. I'd rather see Kanye do horrible shit to it than that. So you're saying that if the GOP is going to go down, it might as well go down in a blaze of glory with reality TV stars and, and rappers. No, no, no. But did you see he he said that this time he would run as a Democrat? Oh, wow. If he was I'm to run that. for governor. That's why I keep saying that. So I think it would be more an issue of him like splitting a Democratic ticket yeah. and fucking that up. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't think he has any chance as a Republican, you know, like, uh, I don't know, maybe. I mean, at this point, yeah, all right. bets are off, bro. Like it's yeah, you know what's yeah, yeah. Let's let's just enjoy that show, I guess. You know? you know what's funny about Kanye West? I don't think you know. Gosh, in this interview, you know the the muddy waters that I had to had to listen to to you know be intelligible on an intelligible conversation. So mm-hmm. Kanye considers himself currently he's an engineer which is disrespectful to anybody that's ever gone to grad school or, or anything else like that. But he's a deconstructor. Uh, he's trying to deconstruct. Honestly, a lot of his points about the music business are like right on in, in, in terms of contracts and stuff sure. like that. That's but, his wheelhouse, man. Yeah. Right, exactly. But when and you like start- you said, he is an engineer and he is a deconstructor <laughs> and he is a genius at music. Yes, at music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, at music, sure. You, you can't like, dispute that. I won't deny that. Like, I, I never will, as corny as the guy is, you know? But now he's trying to create a monastery in Calabasas. Wait, and another one of his goals is he wants to create a stadium where people go and do chants like like they're in, like, Nepal as, like, a monk. It's insane. Though I do think that, you know, with our age of people getting older, I think that there's a chance it could still resonate with a lot of people. If, if we've learned anything from this decade generation of politics, being a populist sells. And if there's anybody more polarizing than Kanye West, I think you'd be hard pressed to find him. He's got God on his side. <laughs> Listen, George Bush Jr. sold an entire war on the fact that fucking God told him to do it. Yeah, this country's ready. This country, don't don't uh, <laughs> underestimate what we're capable of here. Oh, man. And then meanwhile, you have uh, 50 Cent and Ice Cube out here on the MAGA bandwagon. Actually, they're not quite on the MAGA bandwagon. They're on the, I don't want my taxes to go up, which is a perfectly legitimate reason, I guess, if you're a normal person, you know? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Ice Cube hates Jews. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sort of done with Ice Cube now. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, listen, you can only it's not a dog whistle when you just when you just say it a bunch of times, you know? Where do I go from there? 
I stand by that. If Ice Cube wants to talk about it, we can. Come on Ice the podcast. Cube. Come on the podcast. Come on, <laughs> Cube. I love you. I love your work. You're a great musician. Oh, man. You're a great actor. Some of my favorite movies ever. But, you know, the receipts are there, man. Stop <laughs> talking shit. Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, maybe we can make that happen through... Uh, so, um, you know, Brian Custer works on the channel, and he does everything for the big three. And him and Ice Cube are like boys. So we get Custer on, we get Cube on. I gotta tell you one thing, though. Like, and I've even been asked this question in interviews. They're like, what would you say to if you were in a room with Donald Trump? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm out of there. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not saying anything. I can't win in that <laughs> game. I don't know how to talk like that. I'm not brutal enough for someone like that. I have emotions. <laughs> I can be taken down like really easily. I'm sensitive. Benny. I can't get in a room with someone like Donald Trump. He'd pull my pants down in like 10 <laughs> seconds. I don't know how to handle people like that. Benny, so it's so easy. You put me on with Ice Cube. I, I mean, the guy made a career out of spitting. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It might not, might not be fire I want. Benny, what you got to do with a guy like Trump, right? You just fluff him, fluff him, jab, fluff him, fluff him, jab, and then it's a rope-a-dope. Yeah. Uh, you went to school for this. I, I can't do it with a guy. Like I'll just, I'll either, I'll either cry or just get so mad I start beating him up. It's one of two. I would just have such an emotional response. I can't help it. Oh it's man, who I am, Danny. <laughs> well, speak. You know, you know what I've learned because of that. Yeah. I just got to steer clear of diabolical people. Damn. You know, they, I don't. I'm easily duped. That is a great life rule to live by. Yeah. Anyway, it's time for Dollar Slice Take. I was thinking to make a robot, right? <laughs> Who sits in your garage and it's like a fight club robot. Okay. For dads. So when you're stuck in a house all day long, you're getting yelled at, you're doing something like just really like trite and menial like most of the day think about all the things you could be doing and you're like ah i want to feel anything but this and then you walk into the garage and just get the shit kicked out of you a little by your fight club robot wait you're not hitting the robot no it's hitting you oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's the speed bags people have been hitting stuff for ages it doesn't do as much as getting beat up I'm going with the Fight Club theory on this, that you need to feel that other side, and that's the release of tension. What do you think? Could I market this? Honestly, I think there's a market for this, but I don't think it's where you expect. I think I, I think if you go into uh, the BDSM realm on the internet, kinky, I think kinky. that you could really... Honestly, that's going to well, be the market. This machine may exist already, actually. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't hey, even realize that this hey, machine may exist. If you say it? so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't spend a lot of time on the dark web, you know? Now, Benny, my dollar slice take for this week may already exist, but I just want, you know, to get it out there. You know, so everybody is used to when it comes to, like, drinks. They're used to your, like, white claws and all of that stuff, Right. But what you bring if, up White Claw every episode. Okay. You're either drinking one or talking oh. about it every episode. Can Benny. there be an aggregator out there who actually does that? Benny, they, they're paying big money right now. I'm just trying to troll them into, in, into sponsoring the show. So the next thing you know, you're on your yacht in the middle of the Mediterranean, and, and I'm still editing. But Hey, White Claw <laughs> wants to start paying my mortgage. I like White Claw, too. I know how this works. <laughs> 
But anyway, <laughs> my Dallas Slice take this week, I think we need more, and I'm pretty sure I've already done this Dallas Slice take, so bear with me here, but we need to sell more hard juices, like pineapple, like, like, like fermented juices? pineapple juice. Yeah, yeah, like spiked. You know, I feel like I'm pretty much describing a, a, a wine cooler, but the way that I'm changing it up, you know how you get your orange juice just have like fermented orange juice. I don't know what the heck that would taste like, but I'd love to try it. You know, because of how much experimentation people have done, well, and you're actually describing wine too, I think. Dallas uh, <laughs> <laughs> last thing, 25 cents. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure every fruit me... has been experimented on yeah. to this extent, and grapes are just the only thing that work. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I think when you put alcohol with the, I even just in my taste buds right now, I can imagine if you took pineapple juice and a bunch of booze and just left it for a while. Like, I don't think that, I think that turns, I don't think that stays very good. So I think the dollar slice here is to imagine that you're thinking of doing something with alcohol that like 10,000 years of drunks <laughs> haven't thought of already. Cause beer and wine are yeah. the culmination of like, a lot of human experimentation already laid out, you know? See, do you, do I know my thought process, though? Because I, I think, low-key, it would be awesome to have, like, a vineyard and you can just stroll through your mountainous vines of grapes and just, you know, maybe make it yourself, maybe hire somebody that actually knows what the heck they're doing. So oh, I got something. How about this? Yeah. Hon, 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 hon. You'd so, be a sangria maker. Uh, but then I got to go to school in Spain, and that's more school, more tests. No, thank you. I want something in America where I can just make my alcohol because I can't afford a winery. I probably can't afford to have my own brewery. So, like, I'll just, like, grow the cheapest kind of fruit, ferment it, and try to sell it to college students. That's my plan. You got a bathtub? <laughs> I don't know. I saw Moonshiners. It doesn't seem that hard. <laughs> There's one, and I don't think the girlfriend would be very happy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> She'll be happy when, you, when you're bringing home, you're selling uh, bell jars full of bathtub gin to Rutgers students and uh, bringing home the bacon. She'll be happy. By the way, oh, man, the Denver Nuggets hit us with a dollar slice take this week. Bell Jars, the Bell Corporation, the new sponsor of their arena in Denver. Not bad. Not bad. Ball don't lie. Anyway, second half of the podcast, and that's right. We're going to get into the NBA because the NBA, you know, we got a little bit of a situation on our hands, you know. There's a big kumbaya situation at the end of the bubble. People are like, oh, they handled it so well. No cases. And now we're starting to see a little bit of the fallout. It's being reported that the NBA came about $1.5 billion short of what they were expecting to make last season. And it's not just the $200 million bubble that kind of uh, put them down a little bit. It's the China not showing games for a year af after the Mori tweet. It's the already lowering of the cap. Uh, then the bubble set them back a lot. Uh, plus not having fans in the stands. That's about 40% of the NBA's income. So all of that is leading... Plus, the NBA is really concerned about the decline in ratings, so it's an interesting situation. I wouldn't say the future is bad for the NBA, but they desperately need to get back on track of their schedule because people are used to watching basketball in late winter, early spring. Going up against football and baseball, no bueno for them. No bueno. 
I got to get something out of wax. Okay? Yeah. Speaking of the China incident, now, do you find it curious at all, as I do, that what did China, they finally aired, what, games five and six of the finals, right? right? Yeah. And those were the first games. And they were literally exactly a year after this incident. Within the same week is when Daryl Morey resigned from the Rockets. And I really think this was some sort of backdoor deal with like maybe Yao Ming, maybe the Rockets, maybe Adam Silver, where they agreed. China said, we're going to penalize for one year. We will start showing games again if he resigns. And I think this was all part of a, Uh, of uh, an actual productive conversation they had that these were the terms for China re-showing the games. You're not going to get me out on wax talking about any sort of China conspiracy theories in 2020. I think that ship has already been oversaturated. That is not our market. We are not a subreddit. I'm talking about Adam Silver pulling tricks. I think he hung, I think he hung out his head. He's like, he's like, He's like, you can keep them for a year. I'm then Daryl Morey's gone, and you got to show our games again. If uh-huh. you're trying to tell me that Adam Silver created the coronavirus so that we get games a year, where are you to- going there? <laughs> how did I? How how did I connect point A and B and get C? I don't know, Benny. You tell me. <laughs> no, now you're going crazy. I'm just talking about basketball. This okay. is just about basketball. But, but if it wasn't for the coronavirus, the season would have been done in June. There's no way. You exactly, you just said that. No, no it's not what I was getting at. <laughs> not the point I was making at all. Oh, but man. Let's, 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 get, let's go on with the season here. So, so they're going December 22nd, looking like the start date. Mm. They're doing this for what? Some obvious reasons, which is they can't give up Christmas again. They won't give up Christmas. They're terrified of yeah. football stealing Christmas. That's their day. They need it. The Olympics are coming in the summer, all these things. And, you know, all of the teams that didn't make the bubble or got bounced in the first round, they haven't played basketball in a long time. Yeah. So I think you might see uh, right before we got on this podcast, I saw Danny Green being reported as saying he wouldn't be surprised if LeBron sits out the first month of the season. Um, I don't know. Maybe you'll see some stuff like that, but uh, I don't know. I'm excited about it. I'm glad it's restarting. I like that they're just abandoning the idea of uh, holding out to see if you could get, uh, you know, fans in the seats and just going ahead with the start date and working that out. So uh, looking good from there. And uh, yeah, I hope it gets started. Well, okay, so there's a number of layers here. We still don't have a date for free agency, but the teams are ready. I don't think anyone's pretending like like they're not. But so the interesting thing about this, and we still have free agency to go and uh, teams with salary caps. Now, the interesting thing, and Benny, I was saying this to you earlier. Now, it's, it's, it's not the start date that's the big issue here it's the fact that there's 72 games so right off the bat players are losing 10 individual game checks and that's not gonna hurt like your big guys but like if you're like a 10 million dollar a year guy think about all the other fees so like if you're in a state like california new york um and you have a higher tax rate 
you know, you got to pay that. And depending on how the election goes, that could be a little higher for next year. And then you have to pay your union fees. You have to pay your aging. And I'm sure you have to, you have a whole other team that you have to pay. So it could cut guys' salaries uh, before they even get any, any take home, 40 to 30%. So mm-hmm. like, and then on the top of what else they have to spend, you could be a $10 million guy making $1.5 million this year. That's pretty crazy to me. So I think if, if the Lakers want to retool through free agency, I'm not sure what they can move around, but I think teams like, like the Warriors, the Clippers, they may be hurt a little bit while teams like the Heat and Rockets that have a state that really has very little taxes, you know? It'd look a lot better for them to get whoever they can get on the market. I mean, based on your logic, does that mean that the team's sitting around with tons of cap space, which are a few? What do we have? The the Hawks, Hornets, Pistons, Knicks, the teams with a ton of cap space right now. Now, what does that do to their situation? Are they, say, uh, Fred Van Vliet's out there? He might be the... The, the best, highest-paid, unrestricted free agent going into this offseason. Now, what does that do to him? Because he could take a one-year balloon deal with one of these contending teams or back with Toronto, work it out next year when it goes. Or he can uh, try to take one of these mega contracts in these teams with a lot of space and and ride it longer. So how does, how does this... Uh, situation you're talking about way on him i really think that he's going to end up back in toronto especially given what i just said because all of the options that you just named those aren't winners he is a guy that you know he's still young ish but he's like you don't want to waste years i think that's what we've learned in the lebron kd era you don't waste years of, of your career so i think toronto is his best option but it's going to be interesting because I think, you know, Charlotte's going to want to spend a lot, but I think at this point, Charlotte is, ugh, I know. I don't see that. That's an ugly destination. Yeah, that is an ugly destination. Well, what about Atlanta? What about, like, like he knows how to play the two. He played off of Lowry, you know, most of his years in Toronto. Young team, budding team. You could say that Toronto, you know, who knows, might be trending down. Yeah. Lowry's getting older. I could see Ibaka taking a one-year flyer somewhere and going and winning another ring. And leaves. I, I don't know. The, the Hawks are... They do have that trade exception that, from yeah. the, the Nets, so that would be a, a interesting proposition. You know, John but, Collins for a full season, a bunch of other young players, you know, you know Cam Reddish. Like, I, it could be interesting for him. And, and it could be, too, you know, is, is Fred Van Vliet looking to go be the man? somewhere else i mean maybe that's his intention yeah come to new york that'd be fun (laughs) and then benny one last topic i want to get to on the nba front you know there's been talk uh for next season the nba coming to louisville to play you know the toronto raptors in louisville uh louisville is a great basketball town the thing that i want to get to what city that doesn't have an nba team would you move a franchise to for one year? I mean, that's a good... I mean, I think based on the, you know, the Oklahoma City experiment, which wound up literally being a team <laughs> yeah. moving there, um, 
I think you got to look at what has a pre-existing fan base in the vacuum for pro sports. And I think you keep looking at a town like Louisville, uh, other, other big college sports towns that have these built-in rabid fan bases just looking for action. And you give them a pro team with, with pro-level competition. Hmm, let me think of a city in particular that could use one. Hartford? I know that's way too close to New York, but Hartford Whalers? Hartford Whalers uh, in the NBA? Come on, man. No, I, that's like the last place I'm thinking about. No, nothing like that. I think you'd be better off literally like Albuquerque. in Tuscaloosa <laughs> than Hartford. I mean, you would. Like, yeah. like if you if you had to take these fan bases, I mean, what is it? The University of Tennessee Stadium or, you know, the whole, yeah. like 110,000 people in it. You know, an NBA stadium, you need what? 20 and it's yeah. insane oh I, I think you just need one of these giant college towns there's an obvious yeah. one there's an obvious one that we're missing with a great history what is it st louis bring oh, back wait. the spirit baby wait we're missing the biggest one the biggest one seattle oh well that's Come a given on, that they're gonna get this back. team eventually that's kind of a given you got sean kemp opening up his his cannabis shop right around the corner uh, they're coming back soon i fred van vliet of the seattle raptors i love that i want to put this i want to put this on wax right now i think within the next 10 years we see not only do we see the sonics back but we see the sonics in the playoffs by yeah, 2030 I don't know about the playoffs because Scott. I mean, go God big. Why not? Be on that team. <laughs> but I, I like I like the aggregation. But I oh. could definitely see him getting another team, and they should have one. It How was about such, this? Such absolute bullshit. What happened to the Sonics? So, I don't. I don't want to make you sad. How about KD ends his career with the Sonics? Beautiful. Uh, no, that wouldn't make me sad at all. <laughs> if there's anything I love, Denny, it's a narrative. Okay, <laughs> I love it more than anything, and you should know. As much as a Nets fan as I am. I am a basketball fan, and I was one of the first people to say, you know what, KD, kind of a punk move doing what he's doing, but I can't <laughs> wait to watch that team. Oh. You know, I love I love good sports, and I love when when great athletes do great things. Oh. So I, I wouldn't hate that at all. I think it would be fun. How do you feel about their uh, culturally appropriated uniform? <laughs> Yeah, that needs to change. But what about this other talk about Gordon Hayward? Uh, maybe maybe exploring an opt out in Boston, a trade to the Pacers, potentially with Miles Turner, which would make yeah. a lot of sense for both sides. Oh, I'm starting I've, to see some unexpected action kicking around the league. I've heard from a couple different people that Miles Turner is actually also looking to get out of Indiana with Oladipo, so that may be an, an, an option if both of those skip town. But Indiana's weird right now because, you know, they went through the longest coaching search. They brought in Nate Bjorkren, uh, who was great assistant with Nick Nurse up there with the Raptors. But the interesting thing, they, it's it's almost like they went for the cheapest possible candidate. They interviewed a ton of people. And like we were talking about with the finances, these finances are huge. I mean, there's a reason why the Thunder haven't hired a coach yet is because... Everything is so up in the air right now that I think you're going to see a lot of these teams that aren't either big market or, or contenders kind of tightening their belt straps where they can. I can see that, but I think don't underestimate the coaching tree 
Oh, come on. Nick Nurse has I'm a tree serious. now. Everyone's the got Nick a damn Nurse tree. coaching tree has begun. Oh, like Jesus. he's 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 proven himself as a very good coach. And and this is somebody who came from literally the exact same situation he did, running through the G League <laughs> and stuff like that, plans to run his style of uh program. So I don't know, man. The, these people these owners and stuff, they're wildly unoriginal. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Sports think, are just the biggest copycat thing. It's like it that. It doesn't take it's long. Crazy. It doesn't take long for a coaching tree to start these days. Um, you need one ring and a good bubble, and all of a sudden your tree branches grow. <laughs> I can't wait, wait until we have a podcast tree if those are even a thing. Oh, yeah, I think so. But anyway, plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at thetuneuppodcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow us, we are at thetuneuphq, Twitter, Instagram, tuneup on Twitch. Let's get it. Plenty of great stuff coming that way. If you want to follow the big man, he is at Benny Horowitz1, number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. I'm at Denny underscore Gallagher. Benny, got anything else? Yeah, what kind of, what kind of contract do you think I could get out there? And- 39-year-old rookie... Uh, six foot three point forward with bad knees. What do you think? How does a veteran minimum of a cool three sound? (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. Everyone have a good week. This has been the tune up. Thank you so much for checking out the tune up this week. If you want to support our show, support the people that support us. Let's hear one more time for the new guardrail EP. Yikes. On Open Your Ears Records. They've got catchy melodies and witty hooks. Guardrail brings their own style of diet punk right to your stereo. They're not quite bad religion, but they're also not some 41. Here's a clip of their new single, Till We're Dead. And I've been playing that one on my fall playlist, whether you're going to a cidery, pumpkin picking. It is the perfect song for that long drive. If you like what you hear, you can go on over to OYERex.com. That's O-Y-E-R-E-C-S.com to pick up your copy. Guardrail, get the vinyl. Support hard copy music. Let's get this. Guardrail, yikes, out today on Open Your Ears Records. Go grab it.